Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Well, hello, brothers and sisters in Christ, the remnant. Thank you so much for tuning in. As you know, we replayed some of our favorite podcasts and guests last week. I took a little bit of time off, and and uh, people were still sharing those podcasts because I know it's hard to listen to every one during the week, so you miss a lot of them, and so you heard some of these and shared them. We can tell, um, thankfully, um, people are listening even when I'm not here, so that's good. It's not about me. It's about God. It's about the truth. It's about what we are called to do while we are still here. And uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Can't wait to get to our guest, J.B. Hickson, again. Uh, Father in heaven, thank you for giving us another opportunity to speak about things that truly matter from an eternal perspective. Uh, We pray, God, we need a lot of help. Please help us to cultivate that biblical worldview, that eternal perspective, and help us in every conversation, every interaction, whether that be in person, on social media, at work or at home, wherever we might be, Lord, help us to remember that we are here to be salt and light. And Father, help us to stand, stiffen our spines, increase our faith in the name of Jesus as things get more crazy, chaotic, and uh, has some purposely try to divide. Uh, We know that Satan is the father of lies, the devil, and uh, he will continue to lie and help us to be discerning, Lord, and also help, help us to be faithful to your call on our lives. We thank you for saving us, God. We thank you for the hope that we have that is a deposit in our spirit, in our souls, guaranteeing our inheritance. Uh, We love you. We praise you that we know the back of the book. And because of Christ and the finished work on the cross and the resurrection, uh, we win because of him. We love you and thank you for all those things. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, before we get to JB, um, we've got to mention our friends over at Red Pill Prints are always busy. They're, they always seem to be adding uh, new products to the Stand Up For The Truth line. Yeah, if, if you're new to the podcast, we've got a whole gear page, a store, so to speak, on their website. Uh, 24 items, I think, now it's up to, from hats and long sleeve shirts to hoodies and coffee mugs and water bottles, sweatshirts. You can go to Red Pill Prints. Dot com or go to StandUpForTheTruth.com right in the in the upper left-hand corner, actually at the top of the page. It just says Merch. So go there and uh, check that out, and that the, the proceeds support this ministry. So thank you. Uh, let's get to JB. He's the author and pastor and a pastor at uh, Plum Creek Chapel near Denver, Colorado. He's the founder of Not By Works Ministries. He's written a bunch of books but has a brand-new riveting book, called Spirit of the Antichrist, the Gathering Cloud of Deception. And we talked about it the last time he was on with us, but I know there's so much in there. We will continue to refer to the book today. You can get it at notbyworks.org. And um, and also there's another website. It's spiritoftheantichrist.org. JB, welcome back to Standard for the Truth. Hey, David, it's been too long. Great great to be back with you. Yeah, happy uh, day after, or a couple days after Memorial Day weekend. Um Repeat the website again. Is it .org or .com for the book? 
dot, dot org, spirit of the antichrist dot org is the best place to go to find out more information about the book and what's in it. We've got the table of contents and the full preface there where people can kind of get a sense for uh, what the book is all about. And then our ministry website is notbyworks.org. Okay, great, great. Now, you have been busy. I know you were traveling, and you're doing a lot of interviews. We heard you a couple weeks ago on Understanding the Times Radio with Jan Markell. You've been with the guys at Lamb and Lion Ministries and uh, doing a bunch of great interviews where uh, God has given you a platform, brother, and we're so blessed that uh, he's getting the word out about your important work in the writings, especially Spirit of the Antichrist. And we'll talk a little bit about the uh, events and the headlines that are leading to the coming One World System in just a little bit. But I wanted to ask you, um, why have you decided at your church to tackle Calvinism? And I ask that because some people um, often come up to me and they hear certain things. A guest might say something or refer to a scripture, whether that be on election or whatever. And it might sound like the guest or some, wherever they hear it at church, it might sound like Calvinism to them. So I would love for you to just clarify a little bit and then explain you know, why you felt it necessary at this time to dive into that at your church. Yeah, you bet. So Plum Creek Chapel in uh, the Denver metro area is our home church, and we do a midweek Bible study there uh, every Wednesday night, and it's uh, live-streamed at 6 o'clock Mountain Time. Uh, but uh, we take we tackle different uh, series, uh, some of them longer, some of them shorter. But uh, this past week we launched a new series entitled What is Calvinism and Is It Biblical? And uh, this has been really a driving passion of Not By Works Ministries since our inception, and it's been a, 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 something that has really occupied my interest for 32 years of ministry now. Uh, our core value at Not By Works Ministries is the clarity, accuracy, and urgency of the gospel message, and uh, so Calvinism cuts right to the heart of the essence of salvation and the gospel, the true meaning of the gospel, and what it means to believe in Christ. And so... Um, you know, it's, it's a hot topic right now. That's one of the reasons we decided to address it. It comes up almost everywhere I go around the country. People will ask me about Calvinism. Uh, it's, a, it's something that is gaining in, uh, in support, uh, especially among young people and college students and 20 and 30-somethings. Um, and so I feel like it needs to be uh, addressed. And we're doing it from a, you know, from a very gracious perspective. I am uh, going to be finding in the words of leading Calvinists today. In other words, I'm not going to put words in their mouth, but I'm going to make sure that I'm very fair and accurate in how they describe Calvinism, and then uh, look to the Scripture and explain why I uh, disagree. And, you know, I, what I have found through the years, having done this for many years, and by the way, I've spoken at almost all of the leading Calvinist conferences as a kind of a opposing viewpoint on things like the Ligonier Ministry, Desiring God, T4G. Um, I've had one-on-one -on -one conversations in person with some of the leading uh, Calvinists, and so I respect them, and I, I value, I think they value the Word of God. I just have an honest disagreement with how they handle uh, the Word of God. And uh, so I think what I found as I've, as I've talked with people about this topic uh, for many, many years is that they, when they actually hear what Calvinists themselves mean by each of the five points of Calvinism, and I think most of our listeners. Hey, JB, I think you just cut out. So that's a good opportunity to reconnect. Um, the, what's interesting, friends, and we're not going to spend the whole podcast on Calvinism because we've got to talk about 
what's going on in the world today and in our country, headlines and events that are leading to the coming one world system. As you know, globalism has been just on steroids in recent years. But um, five-point Calvinists see problems with four-point Calvinism. And uh, we're talking about the points being total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, and perseverance of the saints. So what we're going to do, J.B., you there? Yes, I am. Sorry about that. You know, it's funny, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says the devil is blinding men's hearts to the gospel. And I can't tell you how many times when I start talking about the clarity of the gospel that we have technical <laughs> glitches like that. <laughs> That's funny. You know, who's the uh, the uh, author of the airwaves or the, the spirit of the air, whatever? And, uh, anyway, yeah. it's, it's just interesting that, um, as you were mentioning, some very important doctrinal issues that uh, there was interference. Um, yeah. So I just mentioned something that even some Calvinists disagree with other Calvinists on the five points or the four points, and I just mentioned the five briefly without explaining them. What, what, would you like to talk a little bit about uh, one or two of the most maybe confusing ones that we need to be, be the most discerning about? Yeah, so uh, I heard that, you know, you— d- d- defined or at least uh, just uh, stated each of the five points. But what I think our folks will find when, when we go through in painstaking detail and talk about what each of these mean to the Calvinists themselves is that at least in modern-day Calvinism, there is pretty strong uh, agreement. Uh, they're in lockstep, uh, and I quote, you know, we're going to have over hun- hundreds of quotes, actually, in this series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they do agree with what they mean. And what I find is that when people hear that, they, they, they suddenly step back and go, well, you know, I'm really not a Calvinist. I don't agree with that. For example, uh, when, when Calvinists define total depravity, they mean total inability. And what they mean by that is that it is impossible for someone to believe the gospel. You cannot believe the gospel. God has to do it for you. And faith, they teach, is an involuntary response to having been born again. In other words, you get saved, and then you believe the gospel. Well, we believe the Bible teaches very clearly that it's the other way around. You believe the gospel, and that's what saves you. Mm. Uh, so, they, you know, people say, oh, I believe in total depravity, and so do I, but I define it completely differently than the way Calvinists define it. Okay. Uh, you know, irresistible grace. They say it's impossible to resist the gospel. I disagree, and we're going to give several scriptures that make that point. And so all the way down the line, when you look at, uh, what Calvinists uh, teach, I think most people go, wow, I never really understood that. So uh, in the opening session uh, last week, which is still posted, all of these videos will remain posted for free at notbyworks.org, and so I encourage folks to go back and listen to the to the introduction from last week. Um, I actually asked a series of questions from, to the audience about you know what they believe about certain things, and I point out, well, if you believe this, then you're a Calvinist. And uh, we had a really good crowd in the auditorium, and a lot of them, uh, when I started out, I said, how many of you would feel comfortable defining Calvinism or, or feel like you understand what it is? And almost nobody raised their hand. <laughs> then as I went through these questions, people go, wow, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. So, uh, you know, I just encourage people, even if you uh, consider yourself a Calvinist, um, you know, I'm not personally attacking anybody. I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, be... Uh, you know, ad hominem in my approach, I'm, I'm just going to say, hey, here's what they say uh, again and again, and then here's what we believe the Bible says, and then draw your own conclusion. Mm-hmm. 
So, um, JB, before we go on, would, would you say, is it too simple to, to, of a question to say, are Calvinists our brothers in Christ? Yeah, I think anybody who has trusted in Jesus Christ and Him alone as the only one who can forgive sin and give you the gift of eternal life, uh, based on what He did for us at Calvary, is a believer. Mm -hmm. And so I've repeatedly said in in various conferences and in uh, academic classrooms, remember I taught for 12 years uh, at a college and seminary, uh, that I'm not for a second suggesting that a lot of these leading Calvinists today are not believers. Far from it. I think they surely, somewhere along the way, as they've studied the Scripture, they came in contact with the clear and simple gospel message, and they believed it. But unfortunately, as they've continued their journey, they have really kind of gotten off base in how they articulate it today, and they're promoting something that I believe is not accurate. So um, one more question before we dive into some of the events and the things that just show that we are getting closer and closer to that one-world system I haven't had you on since this new Barna research came out on pastors lacking a biblical worldview. And the numbers, JB, as you know from a few weeks ago, uh, George Barna did this survey. It's actually astounding that uh, fewer and fewer Christian pastors have a biblical worldview. And youth pastors, those who teach children at churches, it's down to 12% of them having a biblical worldview. Just your thoughts overall. Yeah, by the way, I read that article, and man, I, I always read your stuff, but you have really been hitting it out of the park the last few weeks with with the stuff you've been writing, so thanks for that uh, contribution there. But yeah, that's... Uh it's it's uh it's it's surprising but it's not surprising because we know that scripture tells us there's going to be a great falling away uh in these last days and i think we're experiencing that today um p- pastors always reflect uh what they're taught in the seminaries and the seminaries uh have been drifting away from the centrality of the scripture for many many years now so it's harder and harder to find churches where the pastor is rooted in the Word of God, correctly handling the Word of God, teaching the whole counsel of God, uh, teaching Bible prophecy, for example, uh, that's harder and harder to find. So, uh, you know, and then, of course, the, the young people in the pews, they're going to reflect the teaching of the pastor. So so it's it's kind of a slippery slope, and mm-hmm. uh, I see it as a, a sign of the times. Yes, it is, and we've been warned throughout Scripture. It's interesting, uh, our pastor at our church, um, uh, we're going through the book of Jude right now, and he made the point that, you know, Peter warned about false teachers and mockers uh, coming, and Jude says they're here, they crept in, they're within the church. And that was... In the, the days of the early church, when uh, these, some of these letters were written. So today, obviously, they've been in churches, and they've tried to be—well, they are wolves in sheep's clothing. They're trying to deceive the flock and lead others. They are apostates. And it's amazing, so few people are discerning enough to recognize these teachings, because some of them, as we mentioned earlier, are subtle. Uh, final comment on that, JB, before we dive into the other topic? Yeah, I think it, it is is no question that it's a sign of the times, and I know we say that about a lot of stuff, and, yeah. <laughs> and after the break I'm going to talk about that in a little bit more detail, but uh, it truly is one of the leading signs today is, is biblical ignorance. Amen. Biblical illiteracy, and unfortunately that's in the pews in the churches today. Um, so, J.B., your book is almost 300 pages, Spirit of the Antichrist, and uh, Volume 2 is coming. 
Um, a lot is happening at such a rapid pace that uh, you're not going to be able to get everything in volume two, are you? <laughs> no. Well, I hope so. I mean, certainly not everything, but uh, at least my outline that I've been working off of here for the last couple of years, I'm certainly hoping to, to cover all of those topics. So where would you like to start? I know since we've had you on, there's been a really important meeting um, on the, the World Economic Forum, and um, they've been uh, deciding what to do with the sovereignty of uh, you know, health and the authority that they could have some power in the United States over actually a, a lot of nations. Um, very concerning times. These are things that we never thought would have been in question. You know, the control and authority and sovereignty over health emergencies and things like that in America to be decided by globalists and others, whether it's the NIH or the WEF. So quickly, your thoughts on that. I know we're running out of time, four minutes already in the first segment. Yeah, so I'll start with a scripture, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, one of Paul's earliest epistles, actually the second letter that he wrote in scripture chronologically. He says in verse 4, but you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. Amen. You are all sons of the light and not sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Mm. So I definitely believe that we are called to, to watch the signs of the times. Uh, we cannot predict the date of the rapture, absolutely. It's a signless event. We don't know when it will happen. But we certainly can do, as Jesus said we should, uh, look for the signs of the times and recognize that we're getting closer mm. to God's end times program. Yeah. And as we see us getting closer to God's end times program, it should alert us that uh, we, we obviously that means we're getting closer uh, to the rapture. In uh, chapter 9 of my book, I make the statement, uh, that the spirit of the Antichrist is active everywhere we look, and with the COVID-19 pandemic and the resulting medical tyranny that you just talked about, uh, it seems like we're closer than we've ever been to a one-world totalitarian system. And one of the researchers that I followed for many years uh, refers to this slow, deliberate march toward global government over the past 100 years or so as a, quote, totalitarian tiptoe. But uh, today, with the Luciferians having shifted into high gear, mm -hmm. I think what we're witnessing is better described as a dictatorial dash or maybe a tyrannical trampling toward the goal line. And uh, so after the break, we're going to talk about a lot of the different, uh, I think, signs of the times that indicate we're getting uh, closer. That we're, you know, The question is, how close are we? to this one-world system, and I think we're getting very close. Well, when they start, uh, th when things start getting impacted, such as our economy, and maybe even th a threat on the dollar, on, on, you know, going cashless, and they're making arguments for that. They tried using COVID to go, uh, we got to go cashless because there's, you know, germs on our, you can catch the virus with them with handling money. Uh, they f put fear into a lot of people. And, and JB, would you uh, also say that fear is one of the things that's driving the willing submission or um, uh, compliance of a lot of people? Oh, absolutely. It's one of the arrows in Satan's uh, quiver. It's fear. God has Amen. not given us a spirit of fear, but Amen. Satan is the author of fear. So when we're fearful, we're playing right into his hand. Mm. And we, uh, we're trying to raise awareness about this, because not that we should be irresponsible, and we've never promoted that during the lockdowns and when COVID was the most, I guess, um, for lack of a better word, um, um, lethal, you know, when it was causing a lot of issues with people's health. 
um, when we were severely locked down at the, the highest point there, we weren't saying go out and don't care, don't you know, just be irresponsible because freedom is more important. No, we were never preaching that. But we were saying use wisdom, use caution. God has given us an immune system and, and, and def- natural defenses, and we can you know do things to increase our immunity and to take supplements and to just be careful, you know, this, the basic things. And, and don't fear, because even Christians fell into the trap of giving into fear and saying, okay, I better not go to church. And uh, the government really used that. And, of course, we know, we've talked about this before, JB, that uh, they deemed the church non-essential. And uh, we kind of lived up to that. But more with J.B. Hicks, and when we come back, we're going to talk about some recent headlines and some events that have taken place. And these are all signs, and they appear to be leading to the coming one-world system. You can check out J.B.'s book, Spirit of the Antichrist, at notbyworks.org. More with J.B. when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Dr. J.B. Hickson is our guest today. The book is Spirit of the Antichrist, The Gathering Cloud of Deception. And I want to get his response to um, another breaking story. There's so many of them. I know, friends, just take a breath. It's impossible to keep up with every story, every topic because human beings were never meant to take all this weight of the world on our shoulders and keep up with everything around the world and and all these demonic agendas but we are to be informed so we can warn others and we can it gives us a sense of urgency to share the gospel because we know we're getting close to the end over at Canada Free Press there's a title uh, pills with microchips Pfizer CEO is in love. So there's a pill with a tiny chip that sends a signal to relevant authorities when the pill has been digested. Imagine the implications. And then it says the compliance. So, JB, um, this is nothing surprising uh, when you're talking about the the big pharma and uh, the medical universe. But this is what they're working on, apparently. And this is what Pfizer is uh, talking about right now. Your thoughts? Yeah, so one of the most common questions I get as I travel is, you know, how close are we to the collapse or to the end of the world as we know it or to, you know, the ushering in of this new world order and one world global system? And and my answer is always the same. I think obviously we're closer today than we were yesterday, and that sounds obvious, but, but I do think that we're seeing an increasing intensity in, in many of the biblical signs that would that will uh, rule the day during that seven-year tribulation period. And one of these is this uh, basically transhumanism, where they turn human beings into fully trackable uh, robots. Uh, they call it the Internet of Bodies. And uh, just uh, last week at the World Economic Forum, the CEO from Nokia, Pekka Lundmark, was there, and he claimed that by 2030, it's likely smartphones will not will no longer be the most common connectivity interface, but instead will be implanted directly into our bodies. In fact, here's his quote. He said, by then, and he's referring to 2030, definitely the smartphone as we know it today will be built directly into our bodies, end quote. And so what's the purpose of that? Well, uh, Satan is not omniscient, he's not omnipresent, he's not omnipotent, but he wants to control the world through the Antichrist. And in order for him to do that, he's going to have to use technology. And so they want to create this massive you know, surveillance grid, this control grid, 
where they can track absolutely everything uh, that we're doing, including, uh, you know, all of our purchases, and this gets into the, the digital currency. Again, they call this... Uh, uh, Internet of Bodies or a digital identity, and they want to, to, to use it to track our health care, mm-hmm. our financial services, our food, our travel. They want it to track our, even our social interactions. They're going to use it to control governments. Everything's going to be digital, uh, e-commerce, online purchases. And so what they'll do is if, if you're not going along, if you're not playing the game the way they want you to play it, they can just flip a switch and you won't be able to buy food or gas or pay your electric bill or even have any means of exchange. I mean, I've heard them talk about it at some of the uh, subcommittee hearings or, or sub-meetings at the World Economic Forum gatherings, and they literally have said, you know, we don't want you to be able to purchase anything at a garage sale or a yard sale, wow. uh, just private one-on-one exchanges. You know, they, they want to control all of that. So. Now they're not. I don't think they're going to be able to do that. Uh, but it's what it's going to mean is that if you're meeting someone in a secluded place to exchange a few uh, pieces of silver for some food, you're going to be breaking the law, and you're going to have to do so hoping that you don't get caught. Wow. Um, some people may have a hard time believing that we are even remotely close mm. to having something like that take place, but uh, there there is evil among us, and there are evil minions, and the enemy will use human beings, and that's the, where the spiritual warfare comes in that we have to recognize. JB, one of the things, when I hear you mention this, it's not hard for me to believe because the Bible tells about talks about the heart of man, and there's there certainly is a lot of bloody history, especially in the Old Testament, that we can look at and go, "Wow, there has been evil, and, and man has never come up with the solution uh, as far as being being good enough to overcome evil." Um, of course, we are counseled to do that in Scripture and instructed: do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. But the spiritual war behind all this, the Antichrist spirit of the age that you often you know, mention and explain and, and write about, is so prevalent today. Christians who know the Bible should not be taken off guard by any of this, caught off guard, should they? Yeah, so I, I say it this way, we should never be scared, but we need to be prepared. Mm-hmm. And so in my book, I have a whole chapter on uh, you know, depopulation and uh, you know, the eugenics and mm. uh, you know, what I call uh, you know, the, the love of death, and people and I give case after case in our own country of of the history of our government killing its own people. And again, you know, we're coming out of Memorial Day weekend, and people are have a high sense of pride and thankfulness for the people that have made the ultimate sacrifice in our country since World War One. Six hundred and forty-five thousand servicemen and women have given the ultimate sacrifice to to help us for our freedoms, but yet. There's another side to the story, and that is that the depravity of man very much reaches inside the beltway of Washington, D.C., and there are evil uh, Luciferians that have been entangled within our government for since its inception, frankly, and they are uh, they have a different agenda, and they love death, and they are you know want to kill people. Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He's a murderer from the beginning. Jesus said. So I would encourage people to read that chapter, chapter ten in the book, and if nothing else, it'll inform you. Um, and then also, I have a message I did just recently for the Tulsa Mid America Conference uh, last earlier this month. In fact, it's still posted at our website under videos, and it's entitled. Um, 
whose fingerprints are on the founding of this country. And I think I give a balanced view of some of the, the world views of our founding fathers, uh, and they weren't all Christian. People need to understand that. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think even just this morning there was another uh, article that caught my eye that indicates you know, what may be coming down the pike. The New York Times had an article uh, that said, masks work, so why haven't COVID mask mandates made the difference? And then, you know, I also keep track of the, the Twitter bots. I, I don't know if your listeners uh, recall what a Twitter bot is, but, you know, they use technology with social media platforms like, uh, you know, Twitter and so forth, and, and they make it seem like there's a lot of chatter out there independently and organically from people, uh, but really it's, it's manufactured. And so right now, I just saw one yesterday, that, that's repeated hundreds upon hundreds of times, which shows you that it's not legitimate. It's just it's being planted, and it says, you know, it shows several different people, you know, literally hundreds of people saying the same exact thing verbatim, which is, I speak for the whole of America when I say we need a hard six month lockdown. None of this essential work or exercise stuff from last time. Masks need to be worn at all times, even at home, and strictly enforced. So that that's bouncing around Twitter yesterday. Wow. Uh, and again, people think it's organic, but they're trying to manipulate people's thoughts and minds. And I see this as preparing the way for you know what's coming down uh, the pike. Uh, so you know when we talk about the timeline, one of the things we need to remember, and a caveat that I always like to give right at the outset is that, you know, the Bible says uh, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. In other words, God controls the times and the seasons. So as we look at the Luciferian agenda, the one world system agenda, and what their timetable is, we always need to remember that ultimately God is sovereign. And if he's not ready to move into the end times, then then it's going to fail. So I'm not suggesting that what the Luciferians want, they're going to get in terms of this timetable. But I am saying, let's listen to what they're saying and be ready. Mm -hmm. And they have been saying for more than 100 years now that their target is the mid, you know, 2020s to 2030. And that's why they had Agenda 21 and then Agenda 2030. And and so and I've got quote after quote after quote I could give you if we have time, but basically what they're saying is we want to roll all of this out, and they're using the pandemic as the impetus. Klaus Schwab has said that repeatedly. He's written several books about it since the pandemic, at least two, uh, COVID-19 and the Great Reset and the Great Narrative, which just came out a couple months ago, in which he basically says because of the pandemic, we have to completely re-engineer humanity, and now's our chance. Yep. They see it you know, as David, an opportunity. He's 80, over 80 years old, <laughs> and like all the Luciferians, he really would like to see the fulfillment of their goal of a one-world system in his lifetime. Mm-hmm. And he thinks we're so close he can taste it. And so he's really pushing hard, uh, and so is his uh, uh, sidekick, uh, Yuval Harari, which you've played his quotes, I'm sure, mm-hmm. um, really pushing for this complete and utter globalist, uh, complete prison planet system, which will then set the stage after the rapture for the rise of the Antichrist. So there's so much I would like to follow up on in in what you just said, but Yuval Harari, I just want to mention, for those who don't know who he is, 
Um, first of all, he said things like the resurrection of Jesus and him being the Son of God is, quote, fake news. He also said humans are hackable animals. He said governments want to know now what happens under your skin, under the skin of human beings. So would you just like to give a couple points on your concerns and, and just to, to share what you know about him for those who haven't heard of Yuval Harari? Yeah, he's a, a big part of the World Economic Forum. He's, he's Israeli, uh, but he's a mystic, uh, and he hates Christians. He hates the Bible. He hates God, like all Luciferians. And so he's out there uh, working the circuit on a lot of the talk shows, including mainstream talk shows in America, mainstream media. And he's just talking about the things that you just said, that we've, we've got to turn uh, human beings into operating systems, mm-hmm that can be updated from time to time, downloaded, controlled, uh, and all linked together through some massive network called the IOB, the Internet of Bodies. A lot of people have heard about the Internet of Things with the smart technology where everything is connected from your refrigerator to your washing machine to your thermostat to your electric meter uh, to your cars to your cell phones, you name it, uh, your security system, all of that. But the Internet of Bodies takes it one step further, and it includes human beings in that. And, you know, remember, uh, Klaus Schwab repeatedly says in, in both his previous book and his brand new book, The Great Narrative, that we have to rethink what it means to be human. Mm. Uh, see, the one thing that Satan hasn't been able to replicate, though they've been trying for 6,000 years, is creating life in the image of God. See, God created light, man in his image, uh, man and male and female. And so they've been attacking everything about that. They've been attacking gender with the gender surrender movement. Uh, they've been attacking, uh, you know, just marriage and, and all of those things. And, and so Satan's been bra- slowly breaking that down, and he's been trying to recreate life. But they can't, they can't create life ex nihilo the way God did. God spoke creation into existence. God is eternal. And he created time, space, and matter just by his very word. Well, Satan can't do that. So he's got to use technology and, and chemistry and all of these things to sort of replicate life. And that's why they're so big on, quote, rethinking what it means to be human, because the life they're creating is not human. And they know that. They know that it cannot, that they cannot uh, create life. So, yeah, I think this is something that, ought to get our attention, yes. um, and, you know, uh, it, it's something that uh, is, in a way, uh, troubling, but again, we know who wins in the end, and in the first uh, John 4, 4 says, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world, so uh, I like to remind Satan of that, you know. So, um, to another topic before we run out of time, in this segment, uh, we know that the United Nations World Health Organization um, there was a meeting. The international health regulations were discussed at the World Health Assembly in Switzerland uh, a week or two ago. And at one time, there were 13 amendments submitted by the Biden administration to strengthen the WHO and give them authority over America's health system in the case of an emergency. And, and we don't want to get into all that and how that would work, because it's actually astounding if you look into it. But what was the result of that? From what I heard, JB, 12 of Biden's 13 amendments were withdrawn. That doesn't mean they're not going to pursue them at another time. But uh, are you familiar with that and where, where we're at? 
Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, Twelve of the thirteen were withdrawn. It was a trial balloon, I believe. Mm. Um, you know, they again, they are knocking on the door of complete and utter global governance and one world system. And they, they every time something happens, they push the bar a little bit further. But then because of mainly America, America's the one thing standing in their way because of our Bible-believing, gun-owning, freedom-loving population. Uh, they have to bring down America first. But obviously we know the pandemic uh, was a huge part of the plan. They, that was in the works for 22 years. By now that's proven beyond a shadow of a doubt. Uh, in my book I've got an entire chapter on that, and I give, I think, 15 or 20 smoking gun evidences that this was planned 22 years ago. It was not organic. They rolled it out on purpose because they were hoping to use it as a pretext to really advance the one world system. But I don't think that was their end game, um, but they learned a lot about that. They learned how Christians would bow down and worship at the altar of government and stop going to church on Easter Sunday just because the government said so. So they were delighted with how easily they were able to use something like that uh, to get control. And I think that's why they pushed the timetable up, again, in their own words, from 2030 to 2025. They they were very pleased with the results of this experimental pandemic. And, of course, there's a lot more going on with that than just a trial balloon. They were actually, you know, the whole vaccine and the experimental bioinjections mm-hmm. and back to this Internet of Bodies things. But But still, they were very pleased with the results. So I think at least in their own writings, what they're talking about is another pandemic that's going to be even more significant, and it's going to, at that point, give them the freedom to just completely shut down everything. And that's what those 13 amendments were all about, is they were hoping that they could say, that America would say, yeah, sure, if there's another global pandemic, we've got to cede control of our of our own sovereignty to some external World Health Organization or whatever it is. Uh, but fortunately... Uh, there was some pushback on that, and so they dialed it back a little bit. But as you said, it doesn't mean they're not still pushing for that. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, it's not time yet. So we're going to take a break in about 30 seconds here, JB. But I saw the cover of The Economist magazine, and it's, it's really frightening. The title is The Coming Food Catastrophe, and it pictures a field of wheat with kernels of wheat represented as skulls. And uh, this is the Rothschild-owned publication, and uh, the Rockefeller Foundation described what is to be a food crisis. I'd like to get your thoughts on that when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Okay, J.B. Hickson is our guest today. We, we go through a lot of things, but we run out of time quickly. So the book is called The Spirit of the Antichrist, The Gathering Cloud of Deception. It's doing exceptionally well, and you, you can get that at spiritoftheantichrist.org or on J.B.'s website. So the coming food shortage or crisis that we are hearing about, um, I read a quote, J.B., where it was scheduled, and that word was used, scheduled, not predicted, but scheduled to arrive within five to six months. And I mentioned the cover of The Economist magazine, The Coming Food Catastrophe. What is behind this, and is it going to be as bad as they're wanting it to be, it seems? 
Yeah, it's, it's, I think it very well could be. Again, it depends on God's sovereignty, but we know they want it to be a, a end-of-the-world-as-we-know-it type scenario. But the food shortage is something that they've been working on since the beginning of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. We saw it with yep. some of the breakdown in the logistics with the trucking uh, industry. We've seen it with uh, uh, the floods and the fires and uh, the you know fertilizer shortage and things like that. But just last week, Nearly 2,500 politicians, business leaders, and members of the media gathered in Davos, and they addressed all kinds of concerns. And by the way, Vladimir Zelensky was one of the headlining addresses, delivering a message uh, by video link. Uh, we, we don't have time to talk about yeah. that. I, I get into that in my video, Russia, Ukraine, and the New World Order, from Tulsa, from my conference in Tulsa. That's still posted our website. But one of the things that the IMF managing director, Kristalina Georgieva, warned in this meeting was that the growing food shortage is dire, and the global economy is facing its biggest threat since World War II. And so I did a little research, and there's a great website called Trueflation, which is probably the best, most accurate, detailed uh, research on <clears throat> the real state of inflation today. And it shows that year on year, from 2021 to 2022, food prices are up over 13%. Uh, obviously, we know uh, all kinds of other markers in inflation, uh, housing, transportation's up 22%. All kinds of personal items are up over 5%. So, and then, and that what they're saying is it's going to get worse. And this is because they're going to make it worse, you know. And what, why would they do that? Well, again, they need some type of crisis, as you know, Kissinger and Rockefeller have been saying for several decades now that when we have the right crisis, people will cry out and beg for some kind of solution, and they will happily, willingly give over their rights to the ones they perceive to be the saviors. And mm. and that's what the pandemic, you know, was all about. Really, again, it showed how quickly and eagerly, just because the media hyped it and showed some pictures of nursing homes and said, be afraid, be very afraid, Lies. everybody said, yeah. okay, tell us what to do. Mm-hmm. So they started wearing useless masks that have never been able to stop a virus. The holes in the mask are 50 times larger than the virus, so there's, it's just ridiculous. And, you know, for <laughs> over 100 years now, there are uh, reputable medical journal articles saying that masks do not stop severe acute respiratory viruses. And early on, even, you know, the, the uh, Surgeon General and Anthony Fauci and others were on record saying, don't wear masks, they're a waste of time. But because the media and the Luciferians got together and said, no, we want to we make people wear these masks, everybody shifted and started wearing masks. And so, you know, if they can create this food shortage, people will panic. Uh, we've seen this in microcosms you know, many, many times where a hurricane or some other natural disaster causes people to go dumpster diving within you know, 48 hours. Mm. If they can do that, it's going to give them a, a pretext for complete and utter uh, control, not to mention the fact that it will aid in their ultimate goal of the New World Order, which mm-hmm. is depopulation. So over at LeoHoman.com, he's an investigative journalist. I want you to respond to this quote from his recent article about this uh, immediate food crisis or approaching food crisis that they say will leave no country untouched. Of course, some nations will be hit severely and already are suffering 
uh, unlike America, will it'll just be different because of our system here. But he says this, that this is not communism because if it were, the big corporations would not all be in on it. This is technocracy using the power of data collection and advanced surveillance technology, which they leverage at every point of contact in the medical field, media, social media, science, education, at the retail level, the military, and biosecurity levels. Is he right? Yeah, I, I think uh, I think you know they're just fomenting fear, mm. and they're uh, you know we see several other similar quotes from this World Economic Forum. Uh, you know, German Vice Chancellor uh, Robert Habeck said, you know, the sustainability that we're going to need will require a change to the rule of the markets, mm. and he's not talking about financial markets. There, he's talking about the, the general paradigm. Um, you know, another CEO said that these shortages. Uh, and inflationary pressures are going to cause pain, but quote the pain will be worth it. So mm. yeah, they're they're are they're setting the stage here for something. But I want to get back to the timetable for just a second sure. because that's really the what was on my heart for this uh, show was you know how close are we? How close are we to this end game? And again, as I said, it's up to the Lord; He's ultimately sovereign. But I can tell you, in their own words, they are pushing hard for you know. Very soon. I mean, they, you know, they they've got all the pieces in place. All they need now is is another, you know, p- pandemic of sorts. And by the way, that it doesn't have to be a pandemic. It could be a natural disaster, whether real or engineered. That's right. It it could be a EMP. It could be war. It could be a surprise attack from Russia or China. I mean, there are any number of variables that are available to them that they that they could use. And then then you add to that the unexpected, because as I've said many times, the Luciferian agenda is not monolithic. There are competing agendas, there are surprises, there are wild cards and stuff, and so something may happen that that they don't even want to happen. And uh, so I think people absolutely need to be prepared. Again, we're not saying be scared, right? but you know, our, our obligation as fathers and mothers and grandmothers and grandfathers is to take care of, of our own and if if you if you're if you're not you know storing up the basic necessities food water shelter um, and contemplating the what ifs right now mm-hmm. then I think you're 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 not listening to the testimony of Scripture which is in Proverbs twenty two three he who sees trouble coming should prepare for it. That's wise, JB. Um, I've read a quote in that article. One of the Rothschilds, Mayor Rothschild, said, I don't care who makes a country's laws as long as I control its money. So some are in it for, very, for different reasons, of course, money, power, control. But so the, in other words, politics doesn't matter. Republican, Democrat doesn't matter. We're just going to make sure that the laws are going to allow government to take over and control the money the economy. And that's what they're after, the economy. Let me ask you this, JB. Um, We know, most of us know that this plan, first of all, if you're a Christian, you probably believe it's demonic, but this plan is very unpopular. So I know they're going to try to continue to work this out, but how how are they going to implement this in any short amount of time, knowing that their plan is unpopular? How do they convince more people, or what do they do? Well, they... You know, they rig it same way they did the election. Mm. You know, it doesn't really matter what, what's popular or what's not. <laughs> Good point. Uh, it's, it's just, you know, power. Mm. And they, they force it 
uh, on people. Uh, but, you know, speaking of it being unpopular, it's interesting. One of the things that I see being reported in the media here just in the last week is how, you know, a lot of so-called world leaders are now saying, well, maybe globalism isn't that good of an idea. Well, don't believe it for a second. First of all, we know from Scripture that we're headed towards a one-world government, so that you can take that to the bank. But secondly, what I think is this is the calm before the storm. They're trying to give people the false hope that maybe this globalism theme is breaking apart and it's not really going to happen. Then they swoop in and yep. make it happen. Uh, Klaus Schwab said, quote, Sooner than most anticipate... The work of professions as different as lawyers, financial analysts, doctors, journalists, accountants, insurance underwriters, or librarians will be partly or completely automated. Mm. And again, you know, we see articles out there uh, as back in even before the pandemic uh, where they say, you know, why, why the fall of American empire will come by 2030. And, you know, in uh, the book, I've got quotes uh, again, you know, from leading globalists and Luciferians that talk about uh, things happening in 2025, 20 to 2030. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, it's it's an interesting time we live. Things are changing by the day. Yeah. Headlines every day are, I think, r- relate to this subject and should get our attention. But we have to be able to interpret them through the lens of Scripture. And never it's never about what it's about. Um, you know, I have a chapter in the book on the Hegelian dialectic where they love to distract, yep. you know, like the magician who's you know focusing your attention on his right hand while he's pulling a dove out of his pocket with the other. Yes. So when they say, well, maybe this globalism thing isn't that, you know, good and it's not that popular, don't be misled. They're marching very That's aggressively right. towards a one-world system. Amen. The, the issue is never the issue, right? Um, JB, the... Just really briefly, we've got like five minutes left, actually less, a little less than that. The CEO of Moderna recently admitted that people, the, the, enough people did not want the vaccines and they had to throw away 30 million doses. And this is astounding. Did they, um, did they overplay their hand? Did they think more people would be on board and, and less people would resist? What are your thoughts on that? No, I, I, I don't think they necessarily overplayed their hand. I mean, in a manner of speaking, from maybe a human perspective, you could say that. But remember, uh, it was never about an actual vaccine, or and it's not even a vaccine. It was not about a virus or a pandemic. It was about depopulation. And mm-hmm. that's why the numbers are absolutely off the charts of people that, uh, you know, took the vaccine getting injuries, you know, you can go to the VAERS site, and I would just encourage people to read that chapter in my in my book, but I recently saw a link to a Walgreens, you could still up, I just checked, a Walgreens site where they give, they track the data from all Walgreens across the country of people coming in uh, and with the, you know, the vaccine, and the people that have had the second and third dose of the vaccine are exponentially more likely to get sick again with the Omicron or some of these other variants than the ones who were never vaccinated. Wow. I mean, it's right there in, in black and white. So they, they didn't care about, I mean, they got trillions of dollars thanks to Operation Warp Speed. These, these big pharma companies, they don't care whether they use the vaccines or not. It's all about money. So the fact that they threw a bunch of them away, big deal. I mean, it doesn't affect 
their bottom line. It costs them, you know, fractions of pennies on the dollar to make Jeez. these vaccines, and we paid for them. They didn't yep. have to invest any of their own money. They got trillions of dollars That's from the true. U.S. government. And so if they throw them away, big deal. Yep. They don't they don't care about that at all. Good point. And by the way, openvares.com, you can see it's 2.1 million reports of vaccine adverse events. And these are underreported, uh, but we don't have time to get into that again. We've got just a minute and a minute and a half left. JB, would you bring this home and just remind everybody of the importance, as you say, be prepared. Uh, don't give into the media panic porn or what they're pushing, the fear mongering, what the, the father of lies, that, that will... It will not relent. They will not stop in pushing this agenda. But Christians have to be well-grounded and well-rooted. Yeah, the coming one world system, how close are we? Well, if you listen to their own words, we're very close. Uh, we don't know what God's timetable is. Uh, it's The rapture is imminent, which means it could happen at any time. But we also don't know how much of this one world system will be implemented prior to the rapture. So we would be well served uh, to be prepared, Proverbs 22, 3, not be scared, trust the Lord, uh, and, and just do wise things as we see the world changing before our, our very eyes. Hmm. Amen, brother. We appreciate you and your work and your research and the book, almost 300 pages, Spirit of the Antichrist. If you don't have it, you can get it. Uh, de- definitely uh, go to JB's site and check out some of his uh, recent speeches and, and uh, conferences as well, notbyworks.org. Brother, thank you. It always goes by so fast with you, but God bless you. It does. God bless you, David. Thanks so much. Thanks, JB. Talk soon. All right. Uh, my goodness, it really does. I uh, know this is uh, my first day back in several days, but it, it just seems like there's always more to talk about. We can't possibly cover everything. But I did want to mention that uh, coming up, and we've got a new month tomorrow already, believe it or not. Oh, my goodness. Um, first of all, James Simpson. You will hear uh, James Simpson tomorrow. Thursday, we'll have Pastor John Haller in a prophecy update. Friday, Elijah Abraham is back with us, and he's back from a three-week trip overseas. Um, A lot to report on, and uh, he's always uh, full of fire, so to speak. But thank you, guys. Make sure to uh, pray for this ministry, and if you'd like to support, you know, go to StandUpForTheTruth.com. You can always donate there. But we appreciate you very much, and uh, God bless you. Keep sharing the podcast, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.